Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Nuck If You Buck, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome to Motor City Hoops. Our Detroit Pistons are back from the All-Star break and today we'll analyze their first two games against the Hornets and the Nets. Then we'll head to our 313 segment and we'll talk about the possibility of trading Jeremy Grant, about the recent trade the Pistons made to bring in Diallo from Oklahoma City, and also talk Mason Plumley. Then we'll cap this episode talking about PJ Tucker and look into potential reasons why there's so many triple doubles in the NBA right now. There are five triple doubles on March 13th in the NBA. But first, let's go to Pistons. Bryce, back from the All-Star, All-Star break. Tough week for us, you know, two close losses. The Hornets, a 105-102 loss. And then the Nets, uh, the 195 loss. But let's go to the Hornets game. Bryce, what were your thoughts yeah, on this that Yeah, this was one? a tough loss for the Pistons, Vlad. Both of these were tough as we talked about these two games this week. Games where we had the lead in the fourth quarter and then we just lose it late. You know, one of the main things I've taken away from this week coming off the All-Star break One, Jeremy Grant looked really good in this game. So let's backtrack just a little bit. He has a great first quarter. I think he had 32 in this game, eight boards, four assists. He he looked really good. I think the break before the All-Star break along with the All-Star break looked really good, was really good for him because I think he, the, the being the number one option had started to take a little bit of toll mentally and emotionally. And we've talked about that before a little bit, but just the inability to close the game out, Vlad, like it snuck in there again. And the Hornets, a great staff for the Hornets. They have the best clutch scoring differential in the league. And Terry Rozier just took over, and we didn't really have an answer. Yeah, and about Jeremy Grant, I had this in my nose too. He got his energy back. Yes, and yes. It's not easy. We've talked about this. The transition to being a role player, whether it's minutes, shots taken, carrying the load, all this stuff is huge. I mean, you, can, you cannot put on a, on a role player that was a spot-up shooter, cutter, to come uh, play ISO. It, it's just a whole lot of wear and tear. 
a lot more than he's used to. So to me, he appeared, he, he got his energy back, he got explosive back, he, he started changing speed again, which was very good to see because, you know, you were kind of getting worried about him, you know, like, okay, a little bit more up and down than we got used to him in the beginning of the season. And I was like, okay, it's it's kind of good that it happened at the All-Star break, and then he comes back and scores 32. That's really good for us. Then to me, Bryce, we sh- we're showing our youth the whole year. We talked about consistency. We talked about showing our youth. We talked about making mistakes. And we just make little mistakes that cost us. And Casey even said about Rozier, right? He said, we had in the scout report, he scores in the fourth. And he scored 12 points in the last three minutes and 11 seconds. So you knew he was going to take over. You knew that's a go-to guy, and we still couldn't stop him. And we still shot the ball very he, well, too, in the second half. He had five points up to that point in the game, you know? Like, even watching it... As a as a fan, you're like, man, you know, PJ Washington has looked good. Zeller had 15 points. You know, these Gordon Hayward. You know, these guys. And then all of a sudden, Terry Rozier just comes out of nowhere. But like you said, it's in the scouting report, and that's that's why maybe the young guys were the same as me as a fan sitting there go, well, he's just off tonight, so we don't have to worry about him. But scouting report says he's going to come out in the fourth. Yeah, it's, it's what he does, and he's their closer. And we should have done a better job. Then again, and we shot the ball well in the second half, right? Nine for 20 from three, only four turnovers in the second half. We talked previous the All-Star break about our turnovers being a huge, you know, a huge thing for us in order to win some games. But I want to get the positive. The very So the, the Jeremy Graham was a positive. He got his energy back and he, he looks like he's good. Yeah. Stewart. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart. Our guy. Bryce, I, I, I'm sorry, but I have to like give you myself a pat him back. I said his yes. shot looks good. I said he shot a little good. I was watching the tape after he got drafted, and I was like, you know what? The kid, you know, he's 6'9", seven, seven wingspan, 7'5", seven, seven am I mistaken? But either way, he's like, he has so much potential, and his shot looks okay. Like, it's not one of those big man shots, you know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, we, we've had so many bad shots that you can just find on YouTube, right? Like it's, um, His wingspan seven four. His name? wingspan is 7'4". Seven four, right there, yeah. So I love his potential at this point because he's developing his jump shot earlier than I thought he would. Honestly, I thought it would take two years. If, but again, if nothing had to be tweaked, Bryce, you are a shooter. I'm a shooter. If nothing gets tweaked, it's just a matter of reps and getting his confidence because shooting is so much about confidence. And when the coaches probably, you know, they're giving you, okay, Isaiah, shoot, shoot, shoot. He gets into his head and then he starts getting comfortable with it. And I mean, I, I love that. Because I haven't seen name Bryce name for me a big man a high motor big man no, that can that, shoot the ball. That's 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 what's exciting about Isaiah Stewart, Vlad. You hit it on the head because most skilled I shouldn't say skilled most big men that can shoot like that's like their only thing, right? Like that's what they do. They're stretch four, stretch five, and that's all they do. You don't usually attach motor, rebounder, physical guy exactly, next to those exactly. guys. And I think it's important to note when Stewart hit that three, Vlad. We were tied in the late in the fourth. We I think it was ninety to eighty seven. Grant hit a three to tie, make it ninety to ninety. Next possession, Stewart shoots that. So it's not like it was a first quarter end of shot clock. I'm standing here wide open. That was a huge moment in the game. Not only did he take it, but he made it, and it looks good. And what was it? Confidence, Bryce. We've both known, like, what are shooting slumps, you know? And then Clay came up about two years ago and he said, I don't believe in shooting slumps. It's all about percentages, right? So if you go 0 for 10 one game and you go 8 for 10 the next one, you're still shooting 40% from three. 
it's all just like it's, it's math, you know. So if all my career I'm a 40% shooter, I know very well I'm going to start making shots at some point. And right now with Stewart is this, you know, he hasn't been allowed to shoot the shots probably in college, and he hasn't worked on it as much as he is right now. But and we'll get to this in the in the plumbly section a little bit. But let, let let's touch on this right now. Do you see him as being a f- a four two? Like, can he play the four I, I two? I don't know, Vlad. Like I, that's shown up on Twitter a lot lately because I believe I, I think it was Troy Weaver. I, I can't remember for sure if it was Weaver or Dwayne Casey brought up him playing alongside Plumley. So a lot of fans think that's our best lineup with him at the four. And you know how I feel about Grant at the four. I, I would be very excited if we. I think a lot of people do think he is. So to answer your question, I personally don't see him as a four. I see him as a five. But if he could play the four, he adds a lot more value than what he already does. And and here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. He's improved so much throughout his rookie year. It's really impressive. I, I made a note in my notes for the Nets game that he's improved as a defensive rebounder and rim protector just this year. Early in the year, yeah, his offensive rebounds were great. I loved him as much as anybody, but I didn't think he was a great defensive rebounder. Now he's getting eight or nine rebounds a game because he's getting five or six defensive rebounds along with the two or three offensive. So I w- here's what I'll say. I wouldn't doubt him. If, if he needs to develop the skill set to be a four-man as well, then I think he can do it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not sure. You know, now, now I'm thinking Paul Millsap. And this is the first yep. guy that came to my mind. Of course, not the higher same motor. energy Paul Millsap. It's just you know, yeah, exactly. Higher energy Paul Millsap. If he is to play the four and the five, but I do see him as still. I see him as a really high energy back of five for twenty plus minutes, and then if he wants to play more, maybe he wants to get a thirty minute mark, thirty five minute mark to really be on the floor a lot. Maybe can play the the four at times too. You know, he has to be able to shoot the three though, Vlad. Like I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but him and Plumlee can't both be on the floor as non-shooters. And then also you have Killian Hayes. Like I'm just looking big picture, long term. And then Killian Hayes, who isn't necessarily knocked down. Like no matter how good your wings are, I would I would I would not play. Yeah, but I I would not play Stewart and Plumlee. I'm I'm thinking like you have a different five man. You have a uh, some different online, you know, um, and we we've talked about that. It depends who, you, who we draft, right? So if you draft Kate, I don't think that's going to be the issue. Could but, him and Mobley play together? Then uh, is the question. Could him and could, that's you know what I'm saying? Like, or do you put the seven footer in the four? And I think I don't think it matters. He, I really don't think it matters in today's basketball. Who's the four and five? Because it's not that's very difference. true. And here's what's exciting would be exciting about Stewart. He can guard perimeter guys. So on the defensive end, you can play him at the four because he he showed last night he had a great it's, – it's all over Twitter if you want to go see it. But not to you, to the listeners, but Isaiah Stewart switching out on James Harden, I believe is right at the end of the third quarter, stays in front pretty well. Harden gets to his left, and then he blocks the shot at the rim. Yeah, so that that's where he can, he can provide value and becomes pretty um, universal in terms of where he can play. Absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm very excited about the future of his young core. And uh, just to mention, you know, they're our oldest guys in the roster right now. <laughs> Killian Hayes and uh, you know Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq are up there. I think other than Seku right now, we have uh, he's the oldest yep, senior player in the Pistons. And just to think that last year Seku was the youngest <laughs> player in the league. Yep. So yeah, Weaver came Blew in and just uh, you know yep. blew the whole yep. thing up. He said yep. he's gonna empty the clip. He he's is. emptying the clip. Yep. But I'm he cool with it. He definitely has. 
But now let's go. Uh, this, this this can tie into emptying the clip, Bryce. You know, the next game, one hundred ninety five loss. Um, and I didn't expect much. You know, the three-point shooting is really our Achilles heel right now. You know, we missed 19 straight threes. We shoot way too many for a team yes. that can't shoot. Absolutely. If you ask me. Uh, Sadiq Bey goes cold, you know, two for nine. It's okay. Jeremy has 22 points. But he had one thing I noted. I, I noticed was he had the biggest minus on the team, the plus minus. You know, he's a yeah, minus 10. He did. You're right. I don't pay attention. I don't pay a whole lot of attention to that especially given the fact that we have a young roster, a lot of changes. And, you know, but I do want to touch on Rodney Magruder um, as we're talking about that because he's playing very well recently. He does a lot of things. He's a very, he's a good uh, a glue guy, really, uh, like an all-around tool almost. And he's 20 for 38, last four games in the field. Bryce, what's your take on Rodney Magruder? And do you see him fit on this roster long Two weeks ago, Vlad, I would have said no. I honestly, in all honesty, I had kind of forgot about him. And he's a K-State guy. So uh, a, a good friend, uh, a, a guy that lives in the same little small town as me is, is really good friends with Rodney Magruder um, here in nowhere, Kansas. And they, they went to college together at K-State. So, you know, and I was telling him the other day, I was like, you need to listen to the podcast because we're going to start talking about Rodney Magruder. You know, he got his opportunity and he looks good. You, you called him a 10.7 rebounds, two assists, three steals in this game. I mean, I know it's not all about stats and those can be deceiving and everything else, but you just watch him. Play. To me, he kind of reminds me of Saban Lee. The stats don't always have to look good. He just gets stuff done. I like him in the second unit. I don't know where he fits necessarily. I wish he was like big enough to play the four. Um, you know, because it kind of seems like we'll get to this more, but where is he going to get his minutes behind, you know, Diallo and Josh Jackson? And then at the point guard, you have DSJ and Saban Lee. So I don't know if we go small with that second and unit. This is, but this is my issue, Bryce, right? So I see him as the 11th, 12th yeah. guy, right? That can do everything. At 5 million good. though? But exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. At 5.2 no. million, yeah. it's pretty tough. Exactly, right? So that's my issue is I think we can find the, the, the second round we got back from New York, we can find somebody yep. similar, maybe not as good as him or as ready as him to step in his role, but also at a different um, you know, at a different price tag. So that's my issue with Rodney Magruder. It's not him as a player. I think he's great. He's a great glue guy. Like you said, he does a lot of things, you know, just, okay, it's not stats, but in the same time, he puts up a lot of, you know, he feels Okay, so what about sheet. this? Not nothing crazy. What but, about whether it's DSJ yeah. or Lee in the in the as the second unit one, Diallo as the two, Magruder as the three, or vice versa, and you play Josh Jackson as a small ball four off the bench with Stewart at the five. So what are you doing with Seku? I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's my problem, and you know, uh, no one's talking this next game, so this is a good. This is a good. Uh, Time to transition. Let's transition to three one three all things Pistons because we're going to talk a lot of trade possibility as the trade uh, deadline is, is, is coming um, very close to us. And let's talk trades, Bryce. Right? Because I said before we start recording, I do have a feeling Seku might get traded. And I know you have it in your notes, and I know Weaver said, you know, sometimes. So Troy Weaver said, sometimes when you're tired of being patient, you have yep. to be more patient. To me, that's a really uh, two way quote. You know, it's. They're kind of tired of being patient with Seku. Yeah. Or 
or are they just okay we have to be more patient we'll wait but the way i i've seen troy weaver work he might just pull the trigger i'm just not sure they can find somebody yeah. for him that's the, that's the I, only I issue i don't somebody would trade for him because he's still what 20 years old or something like that i mean we, we've talked about it at length you've talked about it at length i don't want to give up on seku just yet i I feel like I'm in the middle of all, and Seku is the most polarizing piston in my opinion. People either think he's not any good, shouldn't be playing, just need to get rid of him, and then other people like they defend him to the death. You, you should have seen some of the tweets last night, um, you know, during his time on the floor about how we don't do this for him and we don't do that. I'm more in the middle. I don't think Seku's ready. I don't. I, I don't. I don't care to see him on the floor anymore this year because I don't think he's ready. I think it sucks for Sekou that there's no G League. We've talked about this at length as well. Yep. I don't. I, I wouldn't be excited about a Sekou trade because I think all you're going to get in return is maybe a second round pick or something, and so you end up in the same boat of. Uh, to me, he's just a wild card at this point. He's a lottery ticket. That's what I would call Sekou. So he's on the cheap. He's under contract. Let's keep him around and see if the development happens. And if it doesn't, so what. But I'm not completely out on him just yet. No, I'm not out. I'm just worried Casey and uh, sure. Weaver might be. But let's see, uh, Bryce. I know you're high on this one. So let's talk Grant. Jeremy Grant. Should we trade him or not? He's clearly our biggest asset right now. I personally see him as our core, as our main piece to becoming a, a team that wants to be a contender or wants to be a top four team in the east or whatever that you know whatever that is i think we need jeremy grant i think i personally think that if you trade your highest or your best player at this point you're just gonna take three steps backwards and i want to see what your take on it because there were talks about the Celtics offering like four first round picks you know and clearly there's he's he's highly valuable for a ton of teams but I want to see what you think about the possibility of trading Jeremy Grant. I don't like it, Vlad, and here's why. We've talked to, we've talked about how we think the rebuild is going to happen sooner than a lot of Pistons fans. But I, if you trade Jeremy Grant, we are the Philadelphia 76ers. That's what this is the process, quote unquote, where it, it where for real though, <laughs> because that's what they did. They just every asset they got, they flipped for picks, and then they flipped it for picks, and then they flipped it for picks until they got like three number one overall picks in a row and you know whatever you know that's not what the thunder are doing like make make no mistake the thunder were in the playoff you know a playoffs team last year okay and you know are you know right below 500 this year so i don't i think we should take the thunder approach yes we want to lose enough games to get Cade cunningham or mobley or whoever but if you trade jeremy grant you go full-blown rebuild and it is going to be five or six years before we're competing in the situations you're talking about the other so the celtics one really brought this up there were some reports about this somebody this wasn't a report this was just you know somebody throwing out a trade and it was the atlanta hawks um with the john collins um cam reddish and I think it was a first round pick from the Hawks as well. That one, that one made more sense to me, but still, I'm of I'm in my opinion, you want to get the best player in a trade. And John Collins isn't better than Jeremy Grant, in my opinion, and he's gonna cost more money. So, real quick, Vlad, before I let I think Jeremy Grant is our number two option for the next two or three years behind the whoever we draft 2021. 20, and then even then, you extend him for another four or five years. 
what's the worst case is he's just number three option and a really, really good stretch four man. I'm okay with that. Like I can live with that. So I, I see a great future for Jeremy Grant in Detroit. And as we are very hopeful, we're hoping for Kate Cunningham, right? And he's clearly your number one option Absolutely. if he comes in. And I'm also putting in perspective having Hayes back, right? Because he creates a lot. He's a creator. He's not a scorer. He's a creator. He's um, he's very athletic. He can push the ball to the floor alongside Kate, Jeremy, Sadiq Bay. And we forget that um, you know, right now we see Jeremy in a different light, but he's a fantastic spot-up yes. three-point shooter. And if you put him, like you said, maybe a second option, right? A second option where Cade becomes the first option. You have Jeremy as second, and you also have a big point guard that can create, that sees passes off the weak side. When he plays the pick and roll, you have your big man like Mason Plumley that can really pass off the short roll. Then you have something going on. You trade your best player right now? Like you said, we're becoming the Philadelphia 76ers, and you're going to be in five years of waiting for guys to develop. I don't care how good Ben Simmons is, how Embiid is. And they kept drafting and drafting. And they have first pick, first round pick, first pick. And nothing happened for so many years. Okay, maybe Embiid was injured. Maybe this and that. But at the same time, you have to to wait for this guy to develop, right? And you're looking at John Moran. John Moran didn't come in a team that was super, super young and, you know, with a bunch of you know, rookies or first-year players, uh, second-year players. You know, th- there's some vets on that team, on the Memphis team, so that's why they made a run last year, you know. And you need those guys around you, and I feel like Jeremy Grant, for us, is that guy. You know, it's a vet. Mason Plumlee's a vet, but on top of that, Jeremy Grant has a lot of potential to keep developing and really become just our, our main number two option if we draft uh, Kate Cunningham. If if not, well, I don't know. He could be our first well, option next yeah, year too. And, and maybe even next year he's the number one option as K develops. Or like I even think Jalen Green could be that guy. Like he's a bucket getter that may take a couple more years to develop. So having Grant to be the number one option while he develops is nice. But you said it just a second ago. He he knows how to be a role player, Vlad. So it's going to be an okay transition for him. Let's say he's the number one option for the next two years. Then he's the number two option for two more years after that. And then after that, maybe Sadiq Bey's ready to be the number two option behind Cade Cunningham. Now Jeremy Grant can go back to being the number three option after four or five years of being one or two. And he knows how to do that successfully because he did it in his entire playing career. As opposed to somebody you know, that's only been the number one option their whole life and has a hard time transitioning to that. You know, the first name that pops into my head is Allen Iverson, you know, wasn't able to do that. You know, your guy, Carmelo Anthony, all of a sudden has figured that out and look how how well he's flourishing. Yeah, I'm not sure all of a sudden, but he's, he's struggled yeah. for a few years, yeah, you know, yeah, trying to accept that role. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I really think, you know, Jeremy's like uh, we, we, Casey has talked about Delon Wright being yeah. a Swiss knife. Jeremy Grant is like uh, you know your your five star Swiss you know Swiss knife, like the top of the top of the line. You know, he does everything for you, and on top of that, he has he's very close. He was very close to being all star this year. He's really on his path to becoming a superstar. So there's nothing wrong with that. I, I would love to see Kate Cunningham and Jeremy Grant to get on the floor. You know, the, the athleticism, the potential in those two guys. Is that like a Paul George, Kawhi Leonard type thing, you know? You know, similar heights, 
you know, they, they play multiple, they positions, they guard multiple positions. So I would, I would, I would well, not it, trade him it, for anything. I just don't. Here's the want other that. thing, Vlad. Like I'm just thinking about this. What if he has another step in his game? What if you know? You know what I mean? Like he's gotten better and better and better. Like what if this isn't the peak? What What if this year we see this Jeremy Grant? I don't necessarily think this is going to happen, but is it out of the realm that all of a sudden he comes back and he's even better next year and he's averaging 25, 26 points a game because he's gotten more familiar with the being the number one option and taking some of the shots he's taking, maybe he adds a post-up game, gets to the free throw line more. I don't think that's crazy either. So why would we trade that and not find out? Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And we have to remember that right now he's figuring stuff out on the, on the yes. fly. He's he, he's never got thrown best defenders at him or a double team or, you know, he was guarded by the, their third, fourth best defensive player. He was never the focus of the whole defense. So right now, you know, Jeremy's figuring out a lot of stuff. So I think he, he has one more... You know, two more, I would say not. But like one yes. more step up, yeah, I and, think he can take one more step up in certain things. You brought things. this up a couple episodes ago. He doesn't even have a true number two scorer on the team. So not only is he at the top of the scouting report now, there's a big stinking star next to his name as well because it says, stop Jeremy Grant and we'll be okay. You know, you add Cade Cunningham or Sadiq Bey takes a step. You know, Josh Jackson, I know we've talked about he's kind of the number two option right now. I think he's better fitted as your number three, number four. But you give him a true number two score that's getting 18 to 20 a game, and even that takes some pressure off of him. And he's creating the offense when Killian gets back. Now Killian's like, you're right. There's another step there, I think. Absolutely. Well, Bryce, let's move the trade that uh, Weaver pulled off. It's V and a second-round pick for Diallo from Oklahoma City. Um, a lot of talk about Diallo being very athletic. Uh, Casey, I think, named it like one of yes. the most athletic wings yeah. in the game. Um, a lot of potential right there. Another, you know, 6'5-plus guy with a huge wingspan that can guard multiple positions, you know, the 1, 2, 3, 4. But very, I would say very typical of this Weaver-Casey era that we've kind of grown to see in the last four or five months. Really, he fits the bill. He fits that second unit very well where they run, they gun, they athletic. very athletic. They can switch everything almost one through five. It's really that, – that's going to be a Absolutely. fun unit to watch, Absolutely. honestly. If, if they can, you know, if they can defend and get up and run, that's going to be a fun unit to watch. Trust me on that. But um, what do you think about the trade, Bryce? And I know now you're, you're a Kansas <laughs> fan, so you might feel a certain type of way about getting Zvi out of there. Um, oh, one downside is we lost one more shooter and we're not exactly the best uh, three-point shooting sure. team at this yeah, point. To me, that's I, I liked the trade. My initial reaction was positive. I actually had in my notes from the Hornets game, going back to those, I said, does not, Svi does not look good and people are out on him, uppercase out. You know, and, and I was one of those people. I think you bring up a good point with the three-point shooting. I, I tweeted this out and got a lot of you know a lot of response and feedback from people on Pistons Twitter about the three-point shooting. You know, it happened in the Nets game as well. We didn't shoot the ball very well. I have in my notes, JJ has to get the rim. He's shooting too many threes. Like I'm fine with the direction and the players we're we're bringing in, like Hemi Diallo. But I think we got to change our style of play, don't you, Vlad? Like we shouldn't be shooting. 
35, 43s a game if these are the type of players on our roster. Well, I'll take back what I said because if, if that second unit plays and shoots a lot of threes, it's not going to be a it's very be fun ugly. unit to watch. It's, it's going to be a, a, a yes. freaking contest, Bryce. They're going to build yes. a house together because that's not a, a, a shooting not. unit. So I think we need to really differentiate. If we have Bay and Grant in the first unit that can really shoot the ball effectively, uh, you know, then you have Wayne Ellington maybe with them, and then you have three shooters on the floor. And your second unit, that second unit has no shooters at all. Um, you know, arguably, at, at some point, you can even say that Stewart uh, might be the best shooter be. right now. Absolutely. <laughs> it's possible. You know, just, just looking at that with Seku, you know, and um, – and Josh and, and uh, Diallo and, and Saban Lee, yeah, that's that's a very athletic unit. You know, that's I think they do need to play very different than the first unit. And I don't know, I'm pretty sure Coach Casey has a lot in mind for that one. I know he's very defensive oriented and uh, all that stuff, but they need to play very different. I feel like it's almost two different uh, teams put on the floor and styles of play because that second unit will need to run a lot. Score and transition a lot. Attack, attack on like three on twos, four on threes. You know, just uh, this type of situations, and not really play five on five because I don't see them playing the, well the, in a five the, on five the situation. The floor spacing would be awful on the half court with that lineup, and what well, you can't help exactly, from every single that, player. That's the thing. That's what people have to realize. It doesn't matter how good Saban Lee, Josh Jackson, or Hammy Diallo are at getting to the rim if everybody's else is getting helped off of when they don't have the ball there's not going to be a lane to drive no matter how good they are so it's got to happen in transition we've got to speed up the game force turnovers even after a make shot get it out go before the defense gets set which i'm all for i i'm i'm in on that style of basketball maybe we even get up and not full court press but pressure the ball and get out in passing lanes and all of that i think that's a great switch up to that first lineup it's exciting to sit here and talk about but I just hope we make that transition because I, I'm all for shooting threes. I had this in my note for the Nets game. But when you miss 19 straight, it's time to get to the rim. I think we should, you said it. We shoot too many threes for not having a whole lot of shooters. I was just going to say that. It's, I'm all for shooting threes. I don't mind you know, uh, shooting 30, 40 threes a game if yep. you have the shooters. So if I'm Golden State, Sh- I actually yes, want them to shoot yes. threes. Now, if I'm the Pistons, I'm like, uh Guys, come on, let's let's try it out. You know, like uh, the Suns are doing right now with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, where they have that. Um, they're okay with them yeah. shooting the mid range, right? So, I'm okay with that. If you don't have the roster to shoot threes, like we can say, just you know what, forget about the yeah. analytics right now because we're not a really good analytical team, where it's layups and threes, right? And let's let's figure out what works for us at this point. But at the same time, I'm okay with them kind of trying to figure it out. And slowly figuring things out because I don't want to win many games either, you know. And we're we're in all these games, you know. Like you said, I don't mind the Hornets lost that much, you know, or the Nets lost. Yeah, they were close, but I, we kind of need them, you know. It's like let's secure that, you know. <laughs> let, let, let's try to secure Kate Cunningham coming to us. I think the way he's playing right now, you know, I, it's unbelievable. And what I'm seeing right now, I'm, I'm super excited about it. And uh, I see a lot of potential right there. He he comes to us. We're just like I said, well, 
I'll put my money on it. You know, we'll go money line in Vegas and we put this, the Pistons going to make the playoffs yeah, for make, sure. Make sure for those of you that may not going to watch March Madness next week, which if you're not, you need to. It's the best four days of, of college basketball you can watch. But make if you're not going to watch anything else, t- turn in, tune into those Oklahoma State games um, because and, and don't turn it off after the first half. Okay, do not turn it off after the first half. The guy averages about five points a game in the first half, gets his teammates involved, and then he explodes. Every second and a half, you can take it to the bank, so just be patient with him. But I want to just talk about Diallo real quick, Vlad, before we move on to anything else. Just looking at his stats, and I'll, I'll admit, I haven't watched a whole, a whole lot of Oklahoma City Thunder games, so I am, I'm, I'm going to be the stat guy. But his progression from one year to the next looks really good, and especially from last year to this year, only with an uptick in about four minutes per game, he's averaging five more points a game, a couple more rebounds, almost two more assists. His shooting percentages got better. That's the kind of progression you like to see from a young guy. Absolutely, Bryce. And he's, you know, he's been on the team that I'm, I'm not sure he played a ton last year because they were actually yes, better than they expected. Were. They were. You know, and it's that kind of situation where I feel like Weaver knows what he's bringing. Let's not forget where Weaver's coming from. He knows very well Diallo. And the guys that he knows very well, Jeremy Grant, he knows him very well. Let's not forget that Weaver, you know, he might seem to pull the trigger on like any crazy stuff. Calculated. It's calculated. These guys. A lot, a lot of these guys he's had a relationship with. He's seen him play. Whether like is Josh Jackson seeing play AAU? I think through Weaver said that. You know, he he knows Josh Jackson from AAU days. So he's seen these guys from 14, 15 years old develop. So let's not paint Weaver as oh he's just a GM. You know he does no no he he he's gone through every little stage of the game, and he knows a lot of these guys from at 14, 15, 16 when they were in the AAU circuit. And he's seen him develop across five, six, seven years. And to me, Jeremy Grant is really something that he's seen. Okay, I see a lot of potential in this kid. I think he can develop. He's watched him over multiple years. And like, okay, he keeps developing, developing, developing. And now, now I have the chance to, you know, I have the reins on the team. Now I can bring him in. Now it's my turn to be like, okay, I'll, I'll bet on this guy because I've seen him play for seven years straight, eight years straight. So I'm a huge fan of waivers, you know. And this is a good thing that we can translate this to the Plumley. Mason Plumley Bryce, the guy that you're just not high on. The man only gets, you know, he, he gets paid a million a year to meet us to steal. double so then I can crush it here in about 20 minutes when we transition to that topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get the triple-double, but no, no, no. Uh, for, for me, I've said it. You know, he's here to set screens, he's here to lead, and he's here to pass out the show role or create for other guys through his basketball IQ. And uh, we can talk about Duke. <laughs> Bryce, you can hate on that. But right now, You ain't Bryce, turning in next week to watch Duke more... in the NCAA tournament. That's what I can say about Duke. <laughs> so, Jokic Sabonis are the only centers that average more assists than him right now. And if you consider Bama Adebayo a center... That would be no, third. No. So Plumlee's okay. a fourth. Third, third. I don't care. Okay, so, so I, I don't Plumlee, call Bam a center. Exactly. Me either. You know, he's he does yeah. a little bit of everything. It's like the same thing with Anthony Davis, you know, is yeah. all these guys. But so Jokic and Sabonis are the only guys. And guess what? Nuggets and the Pacers, they run their whole office of those guys. 
you know, the whole offense ran through those. So Plumlee, he's averaging a 3.9 assist. I think he's doing a good job. Like, to, to me, I always compare him to what he's paid. That's fair. And then I look around the league and I'm like, well, I don't want Hassan yeah. Whiteside for more money. You know, I don't want Andre Drummond for more money, for triple the for money. Sure. Like, I love Drummond. You know, he, he's given the Pistons a lot, but I don't want that. So to me, for, for a guy that gets $8 million a year, yeah. he's a steal. Yeah. You're, you are right. Okay. I, I will concede on this that he's not overrated. He's probably underrated whenever you when you consider what he's paid with the production. Okay. So what, what, he, his production matches what, he, what he's getting paid. He does do a good job. I think I nitpick Mason Plumley for the things like the things he doesn't do well are the things I really wish he did well. You know, like I wish he would protect the rim. I wish he could make I wish he could shoot the ball. And those aren't things he does well. And those are like personal preferences, but he does a lot of other stuff really well. Yeah, but you add that, Bryce, and he becomes I, I, Jokic, he becomes a bonus, and he becomes and, and he's, 30 and million he's not a year. On the you know? He's not on the field. Yeah. I mean, and and I don't even I think a lot of people don't like Plumlee because they think he's taken away minutes from Stewart and I'm the biggest Stewart fan in Detroit Piston land but that's not even an issue for me because I don't think Stewart's ready to start yet anyway. So what I thought was very interesting for me was that Dwayne P- Casey handpicked him. Like that makes a lot of sense and it makes more sense than why the offense is ran through Mason Plumlee at times because that's what Dwayne Casey envisioned him doing. And there goes those isolations that you hate so much. Now, now we know where they're coming and from. I do. I, I absolutely hate them. But, but <laughs> it's hard to argue with the production, right? I mean, even in the Nets game, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists. He didn't turn the ball over, which is one of my biggest pet peeves with him is, is him turning the ball over. But, you know, he, he, he does produce. You know, I, I've, had to, I've had to backtrack on the Mason Plumlee. But I even said it on Twitter the other day. You can go look at our Twitter page. Like I've said, people are trying to trade him. I said, no, we don't need to trade Mason Plumley. He needs to stay. I think he's going to stay and he's going to play out his contract. And then maybe depending on who we draft and what falls into our laps, maybe you sign him on for a few more years to be the backup to Isaiah Stewart when he's Stewart's ready. Again, like we're that Blake Griffin contract away from getting a good free agent on top of a you know so it, it, the issue is we can get rid of all these guys right and what was it going to help us you know if you get rid of Jimmy Grant 20 million you get rid of Plumley 8 million you still have the 30 million yep. on the book from Blake Griffin that's the contract that kills you that's the contract that doesn't let you sign a big time free agent because imagine this team with that 25 30 million in cap space next year that you can make a run at the guys that we talked about earlier, you know, DeRozan, yeah. uh, those type of guys. Because y- y- you come to DeMar Rosen, and, hey, we got Cade Cunningham, we got Jeremy Graham, Mason Plumley, we got Killian Hayes, Young Core. I mean, I can see a lot of vets being, okay, well, this is a very interesting spot for me right now because, you know, I can do a whole lot what? of things with that roster. If, if, if Cade Cunningham is what I think, let, let's say we really end up with Cade Cunningham. If Cade Cunningham is what I think he is, and by no means am I, do I think like, and what a lot of other people think he is, and Sadiq Bay continues to develop, I don't know that we need that free agent. Like, I think you have options one, two, and three on the roster already, and you just have to let them grow organically together. I think then it becomes 
we use cap space to keep our own guys in house and maybe vets that can come off the bench, you know, and a shooter here, a, a rebounder, defender there, you know. But I think we have our core and I think we have our superstars. I really do. I totally agree with you. So all that money can go really to just strengthen the bench, strengthen the rotation, and the same thing that Golden State Warriors did yes. when their bench yes. was unbelievable. Yes, that's a great, that's a great comparison. Yes, Igodala. <laughs> so you you have all these guys that are good starters. You know why? Why look to upgrade what? You know to upgrade through draft. That means more years. And to upgrade straight up, like what are you going to do? Just trade Jeremy Graham straight up for Jason Tatum plus a first round pick? Why? You know, it makes no sense. So to me, that's why you don't want to get rid of maybe Sekou at this point. Maybe DeLon Wright, if you get a lot of for him. um, Or Wayne Ellington, if you get something for him because he's he's on expiring contract. But otherwise, I feel like we just got to push through Ellington's this. Ellington's the only one. Ellington's the only one I would trade that's that's on the roster right now. He's the only one I would trade. Sounds good. And since we're talking about trades and we've talked a ton about trades, let's head around the NBA, Bryce. And the hottest player on the market right now since the All-Star break, P.J. Tucker. Is he going to get bought out? Is he traded? He's complaining all the time. It's like little James Harden saga again in Houston. It's like... He learned the best out of James Harden, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but that worked out well for the Nets. Tell me, Bryce. W- yeah, <laughs> for the Nets, it did, and James Harden is playing the basketball the right way right now. And we'll touch on that when yes, we talk yep. about triple doubles. And PJ Tucker, Bryce, what, what are your thoughts on him? He's not having a great year. I believe he's averaging like four and four, but we know very well. You know, he's a thirty-five-year-old vet. Um, expiring contract, twenty-plus million on, on, on this year left. I'm I'm not sold on him as far as can he get bought out? Can he get traded? Like, what what can you really do with him? What are your thoughts? Where do you see him yeah. fit, really? Like, give me like a one, two, three yeah. teams that you think that yeah, PJ Tucker sure. can go to and so help that team. I didn't, I, I didn't find a trade for him that worked. I didn't go to the ESPN trade machine. I, I my, the vibe I get from stuff I read and follow is that he's going to get bought out. So I just went straight buyout market. And my number one fit, and I'm stealing this from people I've heard, is the Utah Jazz. Um, they shoot a lot of he's a, they shoot a lot of threes in Utah. PJ's kind of that corner three guy, right? And then what PJ Tucker gives them is that guy that can maybe not stop. Okay, make sure everybody's listening. Not stop, but match up with a LeBron James, match up with a Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, those type of guys. And that's something that I don't know that you can find that guy on the Utah Jazz roster right now. If I had a second, it would be to follow his guy, James Harden, to Brooklyn and come off the bench with those guys. Brooklyn looks amazing right now. And KD hasn't played in a few weeks. I think a lot of these buyouts, I think those guys are going to flock to Brooklyn. The East is easier, so you're almost... I would hate that. I know, but... I would hate that. But... Why wouldn't they? Because they're talking about Aldridge yeah. possibly going there. The PJ Tucker. I mean, this the, is the not e- the East. Not cool I me. mean, who looks formidable? <laughs> you know, J- Embiid. That injury looked bad, and it looks like he avoided something really bad. But he got hurt, and that injury didn't look good. Simmons is in uh, uh, COVID protocol right now. The Bucks, you know, are up and down. Nobody's sure how good they really are yet. 
I would go to Brooklyn. You want to go to the Lakers and fight it, or to uh, Utah and fight it out with the Lakers and the Suns and the Clippers and the Nuggets and you know the Warriors aren't awful and the Spurs are decent. I don't want to leave them off again. So I I, w- <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Brooklyn gets some of these buyouts, but I think Utah is the best fit just in terms of fits. All right, so I had a different approach. I was thinking Miami, Boston, you Golden the trade State. Approach though, right? And yeah, I was looking more into a trade because Miami has yes. a lot of expiring contracts yep. in the young core. But I do think PJ Tucker fits in the Miami be, team. He, Boston, they can play in small ball center, uh, and in a trade, they can get rid of Tristan Thompson. And they have an exception, right? Yeah, they have the Gordon Hayward exception for twenty eight point five mil. But I would not use that Correct. exception for PJ for sure. Tucker. I mean, that's why I'm just. You know, would not use it at, at, at 35 year old PJ Tucker really doesn't make any sense. And I was thinking Golden State, you know, Golden State would be very interesting with PJ Tucker at the five, Draymond, and, you know, very small. But again, I don't think Golden State Agreed. is competing this year. They're not no. trying to win a championship. So why bring PJ Tucker in for three months and just push your cap over and, you know, all this crazy stuff when you can just wait for Clay and see what you can find this summer? You can buy, you can sign PJ Tucker this summer if you need PJ Tucker. If you're Golden State, because you're trying to compete and trying to win a championship next year, not this year, so I wouldn't see that. So, like you said, Bryce, I don't see a lot of teams, and if he gets bought out, then again, we're going that Nets route. I like that Miami Los one, Los Angeles. <laughs> I like that Miami one, and for people, I mean, Miami has worked its way up into the number four spot in the East. You know, I, I think they're definitely going to end up there. Well, we slept on them because they had so many COVID injuries. cases, they had all this stuff, and we were just kind of like Doesn't looking PJ- over them. Well, you were not. Well, I, I didn't overlook him to start the year. I wasn't trying to talk about him at all there for a little. <laughs> doesn't he just seem like a a current Miami Heat, like the, the type of players you feel like Miami has with Jimmy Butler? Like I just feel like he goes down there and he fits the personality of that team. So I I kind of I like that one, and not that he puts him over the top, but I think he'd be a sneaky good piece there. And like you said, they have some expiring contracts. I mean, you can't trade for Myers Leonard right now, but. Um, you know, that was one of those expiring contracts. But, you know, I know Olenek and Igadala. I don't know if they'd be, you know, if he's the, a, a big enough upgrade over those guys. So. Yeah. And I, I it's so hard for me just because PJ Tucker is 35 years old. He's not having a great season. So you really need somebody to compete right now. And somebody that you know relies on shooting or maybe like you said somebody that maybe can slow down lebron every, every now and then uh you know a, a really strong six five six six guy that can shoot the ball and that's i can see him very being very useful next to james harden because i feel like james harden grew his stock <laughs> a lot you know i'm not sure pj Tucker will be the same pj tucker right now uh without james harden and since we're talking about james harden bryce Five triple doubles in the NBA Saturday night on March 13th. Five triple doubles. And out of those, only two guards. So Giannis, Russell, um, Sabonis, Randall, and Harden. All triple doubles. And I want to see your take on this because I have four options that I wrote in my notes <laughs> yeah. that could make sense for this. Really, that could make sense for like... Triple doubles just skyrocketed since 2006. Since Russell was just chasing triple doubles left and right and Adams was like boxing out people and let the ball fall on the floor 10 times so Russell Westbrook can jump in from half court and just get a rebound to get a triple double which I was not cool with but 
What's your take on the so triple I have doubles? a few options as well. One thing I think we're both going to talk about this is pace. Um, well, I, I, here's my two that I like to talk about. Guard, re, guard rebounders. So you're talking about Russ and James Harden playing point guard at 6'3". Both of those guys are probably 6'3". So that's that wasn't your prototypical point guard back you know 20 years ago, right? Can we agree with that? Most of the time your point guard was closer to six foot around there. So these guys are taller, more athletic, which allows them to get the rebounds. So a lot of those point guards were probably getting the points and the assists, but they weren't getting the rebounds. And then on the other side of that, you have bigs who you talked about it earlier. Teams are running their offense through bigs because they have the skill set. So those guys are getting the points and the rebounds, but in the past probably weren't getting assists. Now they are because they're allowed to have the ball in their hands and make plays. Yeah, and we, I both had, you know, I had faster pace, and I, what I also had that can, um, you know, kind of just more three-pointers, Bryce, means more long rebounds, means guard rebounds more, you know. So I kind of just toyed out around. I was like, okay, so how are all these guys rebounding? It could be their height, their athleticism, you know, is, is, is a lot. You cannot compare, I think, Isaiah Thomas' athleticism to Russell sure. Westbrook, right? So <laughs> different point guards. But also shooting so many threes, it's a lot of long rebounds. Defensive rebounds, yes. what I mean, right? So then, you know, that translates to um, the guards getting more rebounds. And more threes means more catch and shoot. Assist. Which means more assist for big guys or for point guards. So I get, this would be the biggest ones for me, you know. And then I also had more complete players, you know, maybe a LeBron. He came in and kind of changed the game. You know, Doncic, Jokic. These guys are like, offensively, they're really well polished. Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, they're the, the guys that really can do about everything on the floor. So right now, I feel like there's no point guards to centers. We talk about point guard, shooting guard. But really, all guys can dribble. All guys can pass. All guys can play ISO, or most of them not Mason Plumley. But <laughs> I appreciate you know, that admission. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's honest. It's like eighty percent of the league can do the things that a basketball player needs to do right now. And I think in five years from now, it's going to be one hundred percent of the league that plays isolation. You know, off the dribble, that can shoot, that can pass. It's just yes. the way the game is going, Bryce. We we have to admit that there is no like show me a really stretch four. You know, Ryan Anderson was one of the last ones I can think about, and he was out of the league yeah. because that's all know, he did. Uh, Kevin Love. Okay, Kevin Love. There's, yeah, Kevin Love is the only one that I can think about right now at the top of my head that's like really a true stretch four that kind of stayed in the league because the basketball is changing. You know, centers, again, Rudy Gobert is a unicorn because he protects the paint so well. But how many centers are only defensive-oriented? and all, Like, it's just, I don't know. Basketball is changing, and we have to admit that whether we like it or not, more possessions, faster pace, you know, more three-pointers, and... You have this this triple doubles. You have more that's, stats. It's impossible to not have more stats. That's a great point, Vlad. And so as as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about this high, the high school team that I help coach here. And you know, other than saying, "Hey, you're the point guard," we never distinguished a position this year. We never said you're the two, you're the three, you're the four. The like, like we interesting. Yeah, we just play. Really? And now our offense is conducive to that because all five guys do the same thing, have to be able to do all the same things within the offense. You have to be able to catch, drive, shoot, p- 
you know, uh, dish, everything. But we never once, never once labeled any of our guys outside of the point guard, the one or the point guard. That That's it. We never, he was it. We said, Hunter, you're the one. The rest of you guys run the floor, get into the offense, play, you know, and I, I think you're right that those are the types of players we're developing. Offenses are built around that. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Cause like you say, now everybody's developing a skill set that can dribble, pass, and shoot. Absolutely, Bryce. And that's, that's that's a good way to put it because I didn't think about a high school. So if you guys are doing this at a high school level, that triggers down to college level, that triggers up to the college level, triggers up to the NBA. And uh, then you get these guys that are phenomenal in all aspects of the game. And now we can make this transition again back to the Pistons uh, towards the end of the show. We get Kay Cunningham, Bryce. That's it. <laughs> we finally yes. get a triple-double machine. Not, uh, and we have. You know, let, let's give credit where credit's due. Uh, I think Plumlee had a few triple-doubles. Uh, Jeremy probably hasn't had one yet, but we don't yeah. have the type yeah, of players yeah. on I our mean, team. I feel like... Um, Mason Plumley can hit him if 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 Sadiq hits shots, if Ellington hits shots, if Jeremy hits shots. You know, uh, Plumley could have ten assists, but Plumlee's it's not really had exactly. Two, and then D- you know, Dennis yeah. Smith Jr. and him had the one on the same night. Yeah, yeah, oh, they, yeah they, they, they had. They were. Yep, it was yep. the thirteenth teammate triple double um, in NBA history, the second in Pistons history. But what was interesting about that? So thirteen teammate triple doubles. And five of them have last happened in the last few years. So it just, again, plays into this idea that triple doubles are up. But yeah, I mean, it, it, this is going to sound like a shot at Mason Plumley, and it's not, Vlad. I, I promise it's not. <laughs> it's never good when I have to preface it like that. But the fact he's getting triple doubles kind of plays into this narrative that we're talking about. Uh, you know, that, that all these guys are skilled. I don't even know that people would consider Mason Plumley an extremely skilled player, but even Mason Plumley on the Detroit Pistons is getting, you know, two triple doubles in the first half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, not take any credit from him or anything, but you you are right, you know, clearly this is changing and um more guys are also looking for triple doubles, I think. Let's the, oh, let's be honest. Yes. I think, for example, Wes, Westbrook was actively searching triple and, doubles and that year. Vlad, that night that we year. got the teammate triple doubles, and and I was all here for it. I love that Dwayne Casey left him in, but we blew the Raptors out that night. He easily probably could have and should have taken those two out, and he left them in the game until they hit their triple double, and then immediately took him out of the game. So I think that I don't know that may have been going on twenty thirty years ago. Um, we'd have to have somebody ah, else, you know, that with better knowledge, to let us know. But it's definitely happening in today's game. Yeah, absolutely. And Bryce, now let's uh, cap it off with the the Pistons' schedule, upcoming schedule. You know, we have the Spurs, Raptors, um, Rockets, and Bulls next week. So four games for the Pistons. Um, like I said, I, I'm at the point that um, I don't necessarily want them sure. to win too much i just yes. want them to play well i just want them to play well and i really um i got a chance to watch kate cunningham the other night uh, was really the first full game i had to i had a chance to watch him and i was like okay <laughs> you see I, it I now want yep him. you got like, a chance to that's, see that's it the guy. Like, it doesn't take much <laughs> like i don't care what I'm, i don't care what pistons doing out but i I'm, care I'm about telling him you, like. i'm telling you motor city hoops fans go watch this man play next week you will be impressed you will not be disappointed Absolutely. So, 
Spurs, Raptors, Rockets, Bulls next week. Uh, we're, we're not going to go into that. We're only going to give yep. you game recaps. Uh, Bryce and I's talk was just kind of bad. <laughs> Especially just, me. Uh, Especially me. Telling you this, uh, this predictions on games and how they go. Uh, I, I, I think I'm pretty bad at predictions <laughs> on games, too. I think seeing the players yeah, and yeah, how they yeah. can develop and all that stuff, I can see that better. But the games, <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, but... Uh, thank you for listening to us and make sure you tune in. Uh, Bryce is super active on Twitter at Motor City Hoops, uh, Facebook at Motor City Hoops, Instagram Motor City Hoops Show. And, uh, you know, it, it, please reach out to us. Uh, we love to get in conversation, especially basketball conversation. It can be NBA, it doesn't have to be necessarily anything, the Pistons, yeah. but we do love the Pistons. So, anything basketball, even college basketball right now, as, as things get hot, if you want a fresh take on maybe Ohio State, Michigan. That was a touchy uh, yes, one, you know, yesterday. Um, yeah, Michigan lost a tough one to Ohio State. We're just uh, hoop, hoop fanatics, and uh, we would love to hear from you guys. So appreciate you guys listening to us, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.